Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, this is Amanda Mork, native Angelino, classic rock fanatic, and host of My Rock Moment. If you're a diehard classic rock fan and love hearing about unforgettable moments in rock, then this podcast is definitely for you. Join us for bi-monthly episodes as we connect with special guests as they share their unforgettable rock moments and stories that made them forever fans. And don't forget to head over to my Instagram at LAWomanRocks for some cool classic rock photos and the stories behind them. Today we have Sari Cohen on as a guest. She currently covers music and live entertainment for Axis, writes for In Love Magazine, and is an on-air correspondent and associate producer for Hollywood First Look Features. So suffice to say, she's interviewed a long list of music greats, and today we're going to hear some of her favorite moments. And I promise you are going to want to listen till the end with this one. So let's get started. Sari, thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, it was a quick turnaround. I mean, from the time that we connected on Instagram, no less. <laughs> oh, thank you, Amanda. I'm so glad we're doing this. This is oh, fantastic. I am too. I am too. Well, the funny story is, is that you and I, I just mentioned had connected um, on Instagram because uh, as the folks here know that I have an Instagram called LA Woman Rocks and I post great photography that I find and the backstory and you had made a comment about a photo I posted that had Ronnie Spector, Iggy Pop and David Bowie in it and you're like oh no big deal I you know I interviewed Ronnie Spector lots of great stories there and I'm like are you kidding me I want to hear that story and more no, it's so funny to hear you say it because it's like I hear myself say these things sometimes and I still even though I've been doing this for years. I, I feel so fortunate with every interview and every day I get to do this job. It's still amazing to me. Um, yeah. I, so I, I got to interview Ronnie Spector. I Nam. Um, I'm sure you, yeah. you've heard of Nam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I cover that every year. Um, that's kind of yeah, it's great people. I know that I know, you know, everybody that puts it together and all the workings that go into it. And I've met a lot of great people that way. So um, Ronnie was doing something for Nam, and I was contacted by um, one publicist who put me in touch with another publicist and got the wheels turning. And I got to interview um, Ronnie for Axis um, two years ago, three years ago. But yeah, no, she, we, we did it over the phone. And then, um, uh-huh. Yeah, it was great. So it was really cool to, you know, get a, get a phone call from Ronnie Spector one day. Right. <laughs> and uh, right. she loved to talk. I mean, I, I heard some really cool stories. It was, um, yeah, it was, I was from like her very beginnings and, you know, um, 
growing up in New York and working her way through the music business as a woman and where she is today. And it was just just phenomenal. As you can imagine, it's Ronnie Spector. Right. And her life story. And then I'm sure some of the highlights, good and bad, were her time with Phil Spector. Yeah. Yeah. We did not talk much about that, but (laughs) yeah. Probably yeah. good. Keep it light yeah. and airy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, before we dive in, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll maybe touch on Ronnie Spector later. Um, cause she, gosh, what an illustrious career. But, um, uh, before we dive in, I know you had mentioned to me prior when we were emailing about this, that your deep love of classic rock, and, and this always interests me to find out like what the Genesis is of people's love of classic rock, you know, why they're fanatics um, for one reason or another. And you said basically it was your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, I mean, that's how I ended up with a name like Sari. My parents were hippies. So <laughs> they, you know, one wanted Sarah, the other wanted Sherry. They're like, let's just call her Sari. And oh my that, God, <laughs> that's how that, that's how that happened. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, early on, I would I would listen to my dad's records. I mean, he he I I used to get into it on my own, but when I was really young and he would first play music for me, it was like the first songs I remember hearing was like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, um, James Taylor, the Beatles. You know, that was the music that I grew up on. And then Mm -hmm. he would he would tell me the stories. I remember even driving in the car with him. I, I grew up in New York and. You know, he would tell me when the song came out, what was happening when, you know, what was happening in the world when the song was out and the top of the charts and this, all the things that were going on. And these stories just stuck with me. It's Mm. just, you know. What were some of the stories that resonated with you most? Do you remember? Um, You know, the bands. Yeah, I would say, I would say, you know, my, my vivid, my most vivid memories were probably Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the stories of Woodstock growing up in New York and my parents experience with the whole thing. So did they go? Uh, no, they were, they were, this is amazing. So they were supposed to go. And this was like this, this, this is how I got here. <laughs> so they were <laughs> supposed to go or my dad was supposed to go and my mom wasn't able to go. And they were kind of going to go their separate ways. And I guess my dad decided to stay with my mom that weekend instead of going to Woodstock and they, you know, stayed together after that. So, oh (laughs) my gosh, years later. So it's like my dad gave up Woodstock for me, but he didn't, I mean, look, it probably definitely made the right decision. Um, but he didn't know (laughs) that that's, what's so crazy to me. I think about those people that were supposed to go to that concert right? right that groundbreaking iconic moment in rock history concert yep. <laughs> and then it didn't happen for whatever reason and you know obviously nobody knew what it was going to be at the time um but how he thinks about that now and he's like <laughs> <laughs> you know oh. I think yeah I would hope he's pretty happy with his decision <laughs> and, and I, did, I did get to return the favor I did introduce him to Graham Nash so that was like the big full circle full circle know, moment. moment he wouldn't have like, gotten that there yeah, I was like, there, there you go. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. So I don't know how old you were when he kind of started exposing you. Um, probably pretty young, because I have the same kind of story too. It was probably like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the moment you could really figure out, like, oh, okay, this is rock music. Um, how did that kind of 
foster a love of classic rock and then ultimately lead you to what you're doing right now? Do you think that was kind of, you know, the beginnings of it? You know, it's so funny. My, I fell into this career. This is the most amazing thing. So I, I've always had, I mean, I had the, thankfully my dad passed down his great love of music and I passed it on to friends and other people, but the classic rock was always in my heart. That was always, um, you know, that was that, that throughout the years, that's always been my number one. Um, but I started this whole thing as a writer. I was writing for television. I was on a totally different path. So I was writing for television, um, was working on a pilot and was transitioning after that into trying to find, you know, more work. It's hard to keep yourself afloat as a writer. I had, um, I had submitted to like a couple of different publications. I had never written editorials in my life. And um, one of the publications that I had submitted to, they were looking for a, a, write, a fashion writer and a political writer. And I wanted to write about politics. I was like, I'm, I'm going to follow Bernie Sanders around. I'm going to tell this great story. And uh, I pitched them on a bunch of different things. And I was lucky enough, they got back to me. And, and um, they made me, they put me in charge of LA fashion trends. They gave me a column and they said, cover LA fashion trends. <laughs> and I laughed. I was like, I know nothing about fashion, uh, but I know writing. So I kind of took that and I, I made it my own. They, they gave me the, the, um, I don't know, the leeway to, to just kind of do what I wanted with it. And I started from there doing interviews and some of my earliest interviews were, um, you know, musicians, they were, they were, I, I was doing carpets. I got myself on a carpet. I, I was interviewing actors and musicians and I made really their, their style more about, you know, who they are, a form of expression. And through that access actually found me. Um, and I received an email one day from them that said, Hey, do you want to come cover music and live entertainment for access? And I was like, I sure do. <laughs> um, so that that led me there, and and I've been doing that for years. It was from there, kind of led into other things, and I've I've write for other outlets as well, and I do on air. I uh, host a TV show, Hollywood First Look Features, where I I'm, interview all sorts of celebrities uh, virtually now. And unfortunately, with everything going on, access you know, there's no live shows. There's no the content is um, is uh, paused right now. Well, it's such as 2020. Right. <laughs> but it'll right. pick up and it'll pick up with, you know, I, I think uh, gusto as well, because people are ready. Absolutely. But you have had, you know, a really um, incredible uh, career from based on what you told me in terms of everybody that you've been able to interview yeah. and the stories you've been able to hear. And I mean, talk about full circle for you hearing, you know, about these bands with your dad, you know, when you were a young kid and then all of a sudden they're standing in front of you. Crazy. It is. Crazy. And of those, uh, I guess that in of itself is a rock moment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what were some of you know, the, the bands or the, the artists that really struck you that you got to interview, um, what were some of the stories, uh, you'll never forget. That's what, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's cool as a journalist and in the music world and as a female, um, you know, it's music is a different beast. And I, I, as a reporter, I say this because I cover all sorts of topics, but 
music is like, I have a very good friend of mine who's a music producer who I've known for years before I even got in this industry. And when I first started in this, I, I was so all over the place because I, I was meeting people and I was doing things and I was, you know, in the mix of things like I'm a journalist, but we're also friends. And so I asked him one point, where, where do you draw the line between like, you know, business and friendship in music? And he said, what line? I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, it was a real, I was very lucky. I had a lot of people that, um, that really welcomed me with open arms and, and shared their experiences with me and became friends with a lot of people that I got to interview. Like, um, probably one of my first big rock and roll moments, it was like, was interviewing Lita Ford at the Rainbow which in itself is like the rainbow is so iconic and yes, you know, and then it was like sitting there with Lita Ford in a booth. Oh, <laughs> like, Are you kidding me? Like, this is just who wrote this story. You know, I, oh my God. I wish I would have thought of that story. To write. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I mean, like the quintessential moment when you're sitting in that red leather booth that is the rainbow right <laughs> with leader ford one of the runaways crazy. and years later i mean it was like through that and it wasn't too long after that i was you know backstage at one of her shows and then became good friends with uh one of the guys in her band and you know now it's kind of like a i would see her from time to time um you know it's a, it's it's music as a small community and especially in the rock world so like mm-hmm. i said i've been fortunate enough to make some good friends who, you know, they get to write stories about and hang out with. (laughs) And one of my favorites, I know you mentioned uh, Tom Petty as well. Mm -hmm. Well, that was (laughs) it. That was a fun. Yeah. So one, it was, it was after Tom Petty had died. And again, I was at the rainbow um, Mm. and we, um, I don't even remember which event. Oh, I think it was the, it was the uh, Bolferani event. And we had all ended up at Sebastian Bach's house afterwards drinking wine. And I just, this really weird moment, we were all hanging out, drinking wine, listening to Tom Petty on the record. And I was singing with Sebastian, like singing face to face with Sebastian Bach. We were singing Refugee. And I just, <laughs> this moment was like, wait, I did pinch myself. I'm like, I know this is normal, but. <laughs> but it's this, not normal. But in the Sorry, side, it's not. <laughs> so that, that's, you know, that was a really cool, you know, as a, as a human being who loves music and a journalist and a, you know, yeah, it was a cool. So moment. wait, can we just step back and set that scene just a little bit more? <laughs> because I feel like there were a lot of holes in that story. <laughs> You were initially at the rainbow, right? I don't know if it was the same night. I think it was a different night. So it was like the night Tom Petty had died. There was a bunch of us at the rainbow. And then it was like right around the time it was the, um, you know, the bull for Ronnie, the Ronnie James Mm -hmm. Dio, right? So Mm -hmm. I have friends that are very involved with that. And I, I think it was after that event. So it was like a whole weekend of just, you know rock moments and then how did you find yourself at sebastian box you just everybody was like hey let's just go head on over it was like friends of friends and there were other artists there too but yeah it was you know the the that bowling event you 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 know yeah some pretty heavy hitters there so yeah it was um just a small group of friends that got together and can i ask who was that uh who else was at sebastian Uh... (laughs) 
<laughs> can't tell. Can't tell. You know what they, he would, I, he's talked about it on Twitter and stuff. Like they have, you know, they would have their um, vinyl nights with like just close friends. Mm-hmm. So okay. yeah, I was lucky. I was very lucky to, to witness that on occasion. So yeah, it was cool. It was, you know, cheers for working in music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cheers for working in music. Um, of all the artists that you've interviewed, what, what was one that really struck you? Um, I have to say Ringo Starr was probably my just, you know, holy grail of, of interviews. And that I did that one for KCAL. That was a that was a really cool moment. What were you uh, interviewing him for? I it was Laurel. It was Echo in the Canyon. It was the the documentary Echo in the Canyon. So um, yeah, I ended up by chance getting to go on air for KCAL, and uh, you know all they it was they did there was uh, Roger McGuinn was there and oh god the birds yes and. Um, and Stephen Stills, I wanted to hit my trifecta. You know, I'd gotten David Crosby. I'd gotten Nash. I was really wanting to get Stephen Stills. Um, and he didn't do, you know, they, it's carpets are a, a mixed bag. You never know. Yeah. You really never know what's going to happen. Um, but the, but specifically, you know, Cake Hell wanted Ringo. And so you, know, you went after him with a vengeance. Well, I didn't. It wasn't <laughs> me at all. I wasn't even trying. I was just tapped to, you know, ask the question. I was like, ah, okay. I so went, I didn't know because you were saying, okay, red carpet, you really don't know what you're going to get. Oh, but yeah, you, when they're, yeah. So when you're on a carpet as a, you know, in press and you're on a press line, you, you never know who's going to do what interviews. So you might get a sheet, you know, of people who are supposed to be there and they might show up for only pictures or, you know, I had seen Ringo Starr on a carpet before and I knew that he did, he did a couple of interviews, but he's really, you know, you only get so much time with Ringo Starr. He'll he'll allow you (laughs) only so much time. So, you know, he took his pictures. We, it was arranged. The publicist walked over to the camera guy and had said, you know, when Ringo's here, we're going to bring him straight to you. And, you know, sure enough, there's, Ringo walks in and he takes his pictures and then they escort him right over to me. And what is your heart pounding? You know, I mean, so it's amazing. I say this man is magic because he really is magic. He had this kind of energy, this, this calm that just washed over me. I didn't miss a beat with him. I looked right in his eyes. And of course, Barbara was with them. His wife was with them. And Mm -hmm you know, she's lovely and she's smiling and it was such a natural, you know, I, I asked him one question and, you know, he looked me in the eyes and he laughed. And then I said, and he answered the question. And then I got two questions. (laughs) I got in another question and he answered it nicely. I I probably should have asked a better question, but it was a a quick, you know, he, he really did a good, you could tell he was a pro at that because he got out what needed to be said. And he looked at me and he said, you got everything you need. And I said, yeah. And he goes, all right. And he said, uh, love you, baby. And it <laughs> peace and love. And he walked away. And I was like, it was right then at the end of the interview when he told me he loved me and did his peace and love. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I think I said, I love you, too. And then I was like, oh, my God. I <laughs> but that's true. <laughs> yeah, and like, like, oh, God. Yeah, he was so he was he was magic. It was like I got a little bit of Ringo magic. It's amazing. I agree. I agree. I've actually had the pleasure of meeting Ringo as well. And one year I went to, I got invited to through a friend, the uh, birth, yeah. his 77th birthday 
at Capitol Records. Oh. And, you know, they have it out there out in front of Capitol Records, which in it, itself is an icon, you know, just mm-hmm. the building itself. And when he walked in the room, I got that, you know, picture with him. Um, and I got to shake his hand. And it was one of those, I'm never going to wash my hand again moments. <laughs> I was like, you know, and I'm not a starstruck person. I grew up in LA. It's funny because you see stars and you become somewhat desensitized, especially when you're living in West Hollywood and Beverly Hills and all of that, you know, running into them just kind of becomes old hat or, you know, seeing them here and there. You are right when you say that man is magic. Mm-hmm. He walks in and I don't know if it's just a reverence um, that you have for uh, the Beatles themselves and that he is part of this magical quartet. Mm. Uh, But I I felt the same exact thing. And then when they say they love you, I mean, you want to believe it with every ounce of your soul. (laughs) I was like, just a piece of love. Like that's, that's Ringo Starr. That's his, you know, that's, that's That's his thing. That's his thing. So, you know, when he says it to you, it's like a little fairy dust. (laughs) Here's some peace and love. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, have all your interviews kind of been, have you ever been able to have, you know, intimate moments with these guys where you're sitting down with them and you get some really juicy stuff? Uh, Yeah. I mean, sure. It's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm really not into sensationalism. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a salacious reporter. So I know a lot no. of, there are people out there that like want that scoop who want to tell the stories about, you know, I've, I've certainly witnessed things where I'm like, you know, if I was a jerk, <laughs> if, I was, <laughs> if I was that kind of reporter or journalist, you know, I, but I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm just not that way. I'm not that person. Um, and, and people have opened up to me in interviews. I. I'm not going to publish anything that is going to make somebody uncomfortable or feel bad. That's never my objective. Like my objective is, you know, just to, to, it's, it's always honesty, but I, I would rather, you know, like the reason that you do what you do. And also I'm the same way. I think that's why we connected is because these stories mean something to people. Yes. You know, this is like you have when you have a love for something, you want to share that with the world. Like there's too much crap going on in the world. It's better to uplift if you can, you know, it's, it's, exactly. better, to, it's better to go there. So, yeah, if someone if someone says something that I know is like probably shared too much, you know, I'm very cautious of that. I'm very mm-hmm. aware of that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I never alter a story, but I certainly like to to showcase or highlight, you know, the good things about people. So that says um, something about you. (laughs) Well, no, and that's, and that's great because I think sensationalism is, you know, pretty rampant these days. And I've had a couple of friends that have worked on biopics for rock stars. um, And they've said that the great thing about getting that extended amount of time with someone is that they open up over time Mm -hmm. and they are used to getting questions that have a canned response. Um, And you can move beyond that with them. They let their guard down and you really get to know the person and you can get, you know, information about them, you know, uh, uplifting information and and nothing salacious, like you said, um, about them that you normally wouldn't get Mm -hmm. when you are getting, look, you've got three minutes, you've got three questions, Go. Right. 
So yeah, it's different. Yes, it's definitely different. I mean, in person is different. Also, it depends on the situation. If you're sitting down with somebody, I've certainly had um, phoners. Like I just did a phoner with Miss um, for I get the Laurel Canyon um, uh, docu series on um, epics that aired. Yes, the one ago. that yeah, the one that aired in May. Yeah, and yes. and first of all, it was I was geeking out over Michelle Phillips, Michelle Phillips, but. It was so cool by the end of the conversation, like we're talking about her kids. She's telling me to stay safe. Like it's, it's like talking to an old friend was what it felt like. So mm-hmm. you do, you do build a rapport, obviously the longer that you are connected to somebody. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was an amazing, uh, biopic yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, or, or what should I say? That was docu- an amazing docu- docu-series. docu-series. Yeah. <laughs> it was phenomenal what they did with that. Just all the, all the old footage, like the unearthed footage, Henry Diltz, um, the photographer for Woods, I actually know Henry pretty well. I've interviewed him a couple times. Um, he's such a great guy, such a great guy, but he's, he's also like, you know, on the journalist, it's the same thing as a photographer, you know, and a musician and a friend, um, he's been privy to some pretty incredible moments that he I know been able to share does. with the world because of that. And when they did the documentary and they used his perspective, I was like, thank God this is finally happening. Like, like this man, his stories should be told, you know, from, yeah. his, from his point of view. All, I mean, yeah. Michelle Phillips, even like you said, jumping back there, her life talk about a storied life in the 60s and 70s you know from her time with the mamas and papas and then afterwards and the the people that she dated and the things she saw and the things that were happening around her and how she was you know really an integral part of that scene um not just that laurel canyon scene but the whole la scene Mm -hmm. um that was evolving you know um the music scene really interesting stuff. Yep. So I'm sure that was an interesting phone call as that well. That was a really cool phone call. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh, that's awesome. You've got some stories, Sari. I, I, yeah, I, you know, I've thought about, I've thought about writing a book or, or, you know, doing a podcast. I do have, I have all this audio. I was actually just talking about this with somebody. I have a lot of audio from all the interviews that I've done, you know, which I normally, I would pen it out, you know, I would transcribe everything and they would go into, into pieces or features, but you know, there's still all this, I I feel like audio plays differently, you know? You know, I don't think that would matter. Here's the thing. I started this podcast because my favorite thing when I was out at night having a drink and generally it was at the sunset marquee or it was at the rainbow. And for those of you that know the sunset strip or know LA, you know, that those are, you know, I mean, just wrought with um, historic rock stories Mm -hmm. was when a song came on or you saw, you know, if you were in uh, sunset marquee, all the rock photography everywhere, somebody would point to one of the pictures or a song would come on and they'd be like, Oh my God, there was this night. Or, oh my God, I saw them at Madison Square Garden. Let me tell you what happened. Those were the stories that I loved, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't care if it was coming from a completely inebriated, babbling idiot. I wanted to hear the story, right? Because um, I think that's what connects us. Mm-hmm. So even if your audio is cracking and popping or, you know, sometimes intelligible at times, it, no one would care because the idea that they are that fly on the wall in the room, hearing someone that they love who has created 
you know, um, work that has changed their lives in some way is speaking, they want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. The, at least in the interview that I did with David Crosby, I, I don't think I edited any of it. Like I, I, it, I just called it like, I just, I just called it a conversation with David Crosby because it's David Crosby. Why do I want to cut anything out? Like he, he talked, we spent a good amount of time on the phone and I, you know, I, I wrote a little intro, but I really just transcribed the conversation. Um, you know, what were some it, of the highlights? Um, you know, oh God. First, the first highlight was when I got the phone call and I, and I got, I, I picked up the phone. It was like, is this Sari? Hi, David Crosby here. No, <laughs> like, no. That was like the first highlight. I was like, no, I probably would have hung up thinking it was like a joke. Someone's <laughs> like, punking me. I knew he was calling. I mean, we had a scheduled interview, but yeah, it was that, that was, yeah. I was like, you know, to, to hear that, especially as a kid, you know, that was my first first jump into rock and roll, you know, and, and it was just, yeah. So that, wow. uh, yeah, that was amazing. So I, uh, I had, yeah, he, he was really open. He was really open and really honest. And, um, you know, I think it was the reunion part at the end, like he was talking about who he would reunite with and like probably what would never happen. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he was, incredible as incredible as you would imagine <laughs> wow yeah, yeah. I, I mean he is um you know in light of this the movie uh that came out last year the biopic remember my name and um who I actually uh interviewed um the director AJ Eaton oh wow um for one of my interviews so he actually got to become pretty close with David Crosby and that was an interesting interview as well. Yeah. Um, and I think it was, to me, so fascinating, not just being around David Crosby, but what uh, David Crosby represented mm-hmm. um, to the music world in the 60s and yeah. how he was just, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all that he was an amazing interview for you because he's a great storyteller. Yeah, he was great. And I, I had gotten, Graham Nash was the one that I did on camera for Axis. So that was like coming from, you know, obviously their history. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah yeah totally different people totally different energies both equally as um, amazing i mean you know graham nash was really cool too like he was he was really cool he was really chill it was you know kind of a just a normal conversation and and for that you know i was obviously in the same room with him but yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, the things that those guys saw. I have a particular fascination with, I think, everything that was happening in LA from like circa 65 to 74. Yes, <laughs> me too. I feel like I lived another life in Laurel Canyon. I feel like I was alive in Laurel Canyon in the 60s. That <laughs> yes. that was like, the, definitely, I lived, I lived a life there for sure. <laughs> yes, no, myself included. And those two and this, you know, the bands that were formed and who dated who. And I mean, it was kind of like, a real life musical soap opera. <laughs> oh, man, they had I one year I covered. I don't know if you ever got to go Love Street Fest. Did you ever hear of Love Street Fest? Yes, I've heard of it in Laurel Canyon, but yes. I never gotten to go. Oh man, I went. It must have been two years ago. And and for people listening, uh, explain what it is. So Love Street Fest is like 
It's a tiny festival. It's free. It's open to the public, but it's like more like a block party than anything else. And it's on Love Street. So as you know, the doors, Love Street, Mm -hmm. Uh, the occasion that I went was it was the 50th anniversary. And um, it really was like, you've never seen anything like it. It was imagine what Laurel Canyon would have been in the Mm sixties. And then, you know, in today's world, it just, it just transfers over. So I got to stand on stage with Robbie Krieger when he played light my fire. John Densmore was walking around. I was having lunch with Mickey Dolenz. Michelle Phillips was there singing with her family. You know, Carney Wilson was there. It was like, but you're walking by. I mean, everybody's just hanging out. So and are people dressed in like 1960s attire? Uh, and No, you know, you had a little bit of like, uh, again, like today's version of Laurel Canyon. So like there was one woman with like a parasol and a yeah. bird, you know, <laughs> it, was just, it was just like, okay, this is the 21st century of uh, right. Laurel Canyon. This is it. And is it take place right in front of where Jim Morrison's place was, which, yep. which, which is right across the way from the general store? Yep. It was, you know, it was right there. It was the, there's no, a store where the creatures meet. Exactly. <laughs> and they did. They all met. It was amazing. <laughs> Mickey Dolan's did, did this joke on stage and he was like, um, I had a good night year, a good, a good year there one night or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> sure. If only I could remember it. <laughs> that, was, that was exactly what Ringo Starr said to me when I asked him, I said, tell, you know, just, I asked him, describe for me what a day in Laurel Canyon was like. And he goes, those of us who spent time in Laurel Canyon don't remember what it was like. <laughs> okay, good point. You're a good point. Yeah. Thank God there are documentaries to remind us. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. I hope they pick that back up, you know, yeah, um, when yeah, we can actually, uh, you know, be within six feet of each other yeah. and really enjoy it. Oh, oh that's awesome. Well, I, I want to ask you before we sign off here, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I always love getting, you know, guess um, perspective on this or, you know, just hearing about, uh, you know, what resonated with them as a child or now. Um, what were some, I, okay, say top five, top five albums for you of all time. Ooh. Um, okay. Well, certainly I'm going to go for, um, it's gotta be Crosby, Stills and Ash. It's gotta be their. I don't know. Maybe it's deja vu. I might, I might go. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Young. I would, I would, I'm still waiting on that interview. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that'll be a good one. I want to check them all off. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, I think also, I mean, very early on, um, uh, James Taylor, Sweet Baby James, that played a big (sighs) part. Um, if I'm sticking more towards rock, I also want to go, you know, I'm going to go into the nineties a little bit and say, um, use your illusion too. like, that was a, that was a, I don't know. I feel like rock kind of took a turn after that. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think of, of others. Um, I don't know. I mean, certainly anything Hendrix or Janis Joplin or, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> Sergeant Pepper's little, hello, Beatles. I mean, <laughs> let's just name all the Beatles. At I know. <laughs> the Pepper's White name. Album, Revolver, keep yeah. going, Rubber that's Soul. That's, that's my top. That's my top. That's <laughs> Those are good ones. Those are good ones. And, and I love asking people this because mine was so, you know, off the charts weird. But um, what was the first concert you ever attended? Oh, God. Okay. This is a crazy story. First concert I ever attended was actually Michael Jackson. And this was, this is a bizarre story. We were living in Philly at the time. I think I was five years old and I think it was his Beat It tour. You were five years old going to Michael Jackson. Yeah. My parents took me to Michael Jackson. (laughs) Front row center. Better yet, we had front row center tickets. I remember it had gotten like rained out the first time. Oh yeah. I vividly remember this as a kid. And I was such a huge Michael Jackson fan. I had the glove. I think I had my shirt, I think said beat it on it. Or it was like a whole (laughs) Jackson five was there. So this is a We're front row center. I vividly remember I have pictures of, of him on stage that day too. I mean, obviously we're right there. And uh, a photographer approaches my parents and asked them, can we take a picture of your daughter? You know, and my mom had asked like for what, what um, publication he said, Oh no, no, no publication. It's for Michael Jackson's personal scrapbook. And my mom was like, Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Wait. Oh Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So is your mom like, Oh, bad idea. I know. I mean, it was Michael Jackson. It was his own personal, you know, it was the eighties. What would, why would, you know, why would you think anything? No, true. uh, Different. Like it's, that's, that's a, you know, God. Yeah. So years years later when they were clearing out books from his house and they were they were there was I was on the news and it was like there's tons and tons of photo albums and I was like probably (laughs) (laughs) my god there's a five-year-old Sammy with one glove that's like yeah (laughs) oh my gosh yeah yeah I have no words for that. <laughs> well, hopefully now it's in safe hands somewhere. I'm sure it is. Sure. What a memory. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mentioned in, uh, you know, other interviews before that my first, speaking of Mickey Dolan's, my first concert oh. was the Monkees. It was the Monkees. And I had talked to, I can't remember which guest I talked to, but I talked to him about the fact that it was in Palm Springs. I got to go up to the front row. Peter Tort kissed my cheek. I was literally 12 years old. And I remember it was like, um, like a, like a pool party birthday type thing. And I remember after the concert, cause it was like at 5 PM because you know, the guests that were there, the median age was probably 70. <laughs> I was swimming around and would not let my face touch. The water. <laughs> oh my God. Fast forward, literally 25 years later, I'm in a Mexican restaurant at the top of the hill in Palos Verdes. If anybody of you know, Palos Verdes is a beach town in Los Angeles. He is sitting in a booth with a couple other people eating a burrito and I got so choked up. And you know, you have that moment where you see somebody and it's just this visceral response and all these memories started flooding back of me at 10 years old watching Nick at night and all the reruns and all the feelings you were feeling as a young girl. And I look around and I'm like, does anybody see that this is 
this is a god sitting in this <laughs> booth right here and my mother looks at me i remember i was with my mom and dad she's like what you okay i'm like no i'm not i am not okay <laughs> so i sat down and for an hour during that dinner i just thought go up go up and say something yeah. and i never did Aww. and it's my biggest regret and so i hope mickey dolan's I not only do I hope to have you on, but I hope at least I get to have that moment where I can come yes. up and say, you know what? I was a super fan. Yes. So, you will, you yeah. will. The mo- that moment's coming. It's coming. It's, <laughs> it's coming. coming. I'm willing yep. it. Yeah, yep. I know. Yep. So anyways, and that's why I love hearing people's first concerts because, you know, sometimes they just get gra- dragged to something and they're like, why the hell am I here? <laughs> or it just is life changing for them. So, yeah. oh man. Yep. Uh-huh. Sari, thank you so, so much for being on. Um, <laughs> and thank you for what you're doing because you're, you're keeping the music alive. I mean, I follow you. I was, I, was, <laughs> I, lo- I love what you're putting out there. So, you know what, there aren't a lot of diehard classic rock fans, yeah, at least yeah. in our generation. Yeah. yeah. Um, at least not that I've seen. So it, yeah, I guess it's incumbent upon us, you know, to keep the magic alive, even long after a lot of these guys are gone. Thanks so much for joining, guys. If you liked this episode, share a pic on Instagram and tag me. Send me a message to let me know what you liked or what you want to hear more of, or feel free to leave a review on iTunes. And don't forget to head over to LA Woman Rocks on Instagram for some great classic rock photography.